welcome to Parapods, City of Parramatta Libraries podcast. My name is Nissa, and today I'd like to introduce my co-host Sandra. Hi. Hey, so today we're going to be talking about the Stella Prize shortlist for 2020. Now, the Australian so the Stella Prize is an Australian literary award and it's actually currently in its eighth year. Uh, the Stella Prize focuses on writing by Australian women and is named after Miles Franklin. Now, Miles Franklin, really? <laughs> so where does Stella come into this? Very good question. So Miles Franklin's full name is Stella Maria Sarah Miles Franklin, which is a, a bit of a mouthful, I would say. <laughs> um, and it was actually established, the prize, by a group of writers who were concerned about the representation of women and the Miles Franklin Award. So that's how the Stella Prize came about, which is, I think, such a lovely story, mm. using um, her name for the other prize as well. Anyway, um, Sandra, I almost called you Catherine. <laughs> um, you, no. were going to you were going to introduce the books on the shortlist that we're going to discuss. Yeah, so we'll be discussing four books in greater detail, and then we've got another two that we won't be able to get too much into just because of time constraints. Mm -hmm. But... To get us started, we've got The Weekend by Charlotte Wood, published by Ellen and Unwin in October 2019. The next book that we've got is Here Until August, and they are a collection of short stories written by Josephine Rowe and published by Black Ink in September 2019. The next one on the list is See What You Made Me Do by Jess Hill, and published by Black Ink in June 2019. And then the final book that we'll be going into detail on is There Was Still Love by Favelle Perret and published by Hache in September 2019. The two that we won't be going too much into detail on are The Yield by Tara June Winch, published by Penguin in July 2019, and Diving Into Glass, a memoir by, by Carol Llewellyn, published by Penguin in March 2019. So The Yield is the first novel of the author since her debut novel in 2006, which was called Swallow the Air. It's a story about a character who is determined to pass on the language of his people, the Wiradjuri people, and a character who is coming home. It's about storytelling, identity, and a celebration of culture. The next book that we've got is Diving Into Glass, which is a memoir by the author Caro Llewellyn. She's a former director of several large-scale literary festivals, and the book is full of anecdotes about her youth, her father, her personal life and career, as well as a life-defining moment that takes place one day in New York. Mm -hmm. So let's get into the first book that we've got. That is The Weekend by Charlotte Wood. What have we got to say about that one, Nisa? <laughs> A fair Spotlight bit. Spotlight on you. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay, so The Weekend is a work of fiction. Um, the story, well, basically, it is about a weekend spent by three women, uh, but it's really about four. So. There are four characters, four main characters, uh, Sylvie, Adele, Wendy and Jude. One of those characters has recently passed away and the other three characters um, 
are meeting up together, I guess for the first time since the funeral, and they are staying at the character who passed away, that character's uh, beach house. Mm-hmm. So it's a really interesting thing. It, 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 it talks about all the events that happen over this particular weekend, uh, you know, uh, things that have happened in their past, because these are characters in, I think, in their 70s, and they're, you know, reminiscing or thinking about um, incidences that happened in the past, things that are happening now, um, and they they are, cons- like, in any sort of long-time friendship, all the issues that people face when they're so close to each other. Um, so they're really interesting things. Um, some of the themes are about relationships between... Uh, friends, between lovers, uh, between parents and children, um, between people and their pets as well. That's that's a really important one. One of the characters actually has a dog. Um, gosh, I've forgotten the dog's name. <laughs> I, only, I only listened to this recently. Um, and I think that the dog in the story really is like a metaphor for the decline uh, that all these characters are sort of feeling um, <laughs> physically um, in some ways. Um, so some other themes are like the relationship people have with their bodies as their age that I thought was such an interesting perspective like the perspective of um women in their 70s as it's portrayed in the story um relationship uh with money um relationships with their careers and how they see themselves uh you know through their careers or um I guess vocation in the case of at least one uh character who is an actress so I thought it was a really interesting book, especially how it portrays the dynamic between three characters, because it's written from um, a third-person narrative, right? So you have one character, uh, that character is focused on for a bit, that character reveals what they think about the other three characters, and then sort of the next section is the other character and how they feel about the other three characters. So each time you get mm-hmm. to see, I guess, these slices of people's personality through the eyes of a different character and it's so fascinating how you know you would expect a person to be portrayed in the same way but through everyone else's eyes a person looks so different and I found that really really fascinating and putting that together to get a complete picture. I was going to say do you see different events that are portrayed in completely different ways through their perspectives or? Yeah that you know what if they had done that I think that would have been demonstrated a bit more obviously if that was the case but it's it's not so much big events it's just the little things that they're um when like sort of domestic things that are happening and then when they talk about different perspectives on that so through that you get to see a little bit of that um like a different take from each other's point of view so I -hmm. I really really enjoyed that um and I I think we were talking about this before I actually listened to this on our RB digital app which is an app that the library um, uses, and we have a number of resources on that. We've got graphic novels, we've got e-books, and we've got um, e-audio books. I, I beg your pardon, not graphic novels. We have uh, magazines. Mm. We've got uh, uh, magazines, electronic magazines. We've got e-books and e-audio books. And I listened to this as an e-audio book on RB Digital, which was my first experience um listening to a work of fiction, actually, um, as an audio book. And that was quite interesting. I mean, it was seven hours and 45 minutes long. <laughs> um, but uh, it on in the background. <laughs> yeah, but it was interesting to 
have sort of going about doing whatever I had to do at home and listening to it or commuting and listening to the story. Uh, so I, I thought it was a really interesting way to consume a work of fiction. And it's definitely something that I would recommend to anyone else who isn't quite sure about it. Um, and I have to say, I, I had always thought that with a work of fiction, it would be weird to have the narrator. I mean, I, I, I couldn't see how they would be able to get the story across, right? Like a single narrator. In this case, the book is narrated by someone called Taylor Owens. Um, but I was quite fascinated to hear that her voice sounds um, like, I don't know anything about uh, the narrator, but it sounds like an older voice, possibly someone in their 50s, uh, like who has a middle-class, non-regional Australian accent. And she was able to use just the same, I guess she had the, she was the like a single voice, but she was still able to portray the three different characters in such a unique way. And I, I just found it so fascinating, that process as well. Um, and of course, the, the rich imagery in the, um, in the novel, uh, the descriptive language that was used, that really, really helped in feeling like there's really no difference between you listening to it and reading it. So um, any doubters out there, I would <laughs> recommend giving it a go, uh, an e-audio book. Um, for fiction. So that's my take on that, actually. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go to the next one. Here until August, Stories by Josephine Rowe. Uh, you were going to talk about that, Sandra. <laughs> yeah, well, I found that one quite an interesting book. Um, but so for Josephine Rowe, her novel, uh, Faithful, no, Loving Faithful Animals, sorry, was longlisted for the Miles Franklin Literary Award. That was one of her previous ones. Now, Here Until August is a powerful and wonderfully written collection of 10 stories, taking you through the lives and the choices and the different perspectives of several really fascinating characters. Um, they take you to different locations across the world. There are some very Australian stories. Mm, nice. There was a story from Montreal. There was a story from different locations in the United States. And they offered some wonderful snapshots of their different lifestyles and the different choices that they had to make. And usually they were on the brink of something that the, the choices that they made were life-changing, you know? Um, they're quite engaging the stories mm -hmm. and yeah i i found the different perspectives quite fascinating uh the book is quite easy to get through mm -hmm. they they are short stories there are 10 of them they they don't take too long to get through and they're quite engaging as well and you can read them in whichever order that you wish they're all quite independent that's one of the best things about a collection of short stories isn't it yeah, you, you can just pick it up whenever you exactly. like. You don't feel like you've got to sit there for hours on end and then... Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Although those are great reads as well. True, true, definitely. <laughs> this one you can set aside and mm -hmm. read alongside other books, which I often do as well. Add it to the pile on the bedside table. Yeah. And whenever you feel like something a little different, you can pick it up and read another short story and it only takes a few minutes. And the... Most of the stories were quite appealing, but I did find that some stood out to me a lot more than others, such as the story Chavez, which is a story about a woman and her dog. Mm -hmm. I won't go into too much detail, though, because they are short stories. I don't want to give too much away of them. Yeah. 
Okay, did you want to move on to the next book? Yeah, so definitely. The next Actually, one. you know what? I was going to comment. That is such a nice slim volume. We could, you know, anyone could totally go through that really quickly. So oh, yeah, short definitely. story is always good to have that in the mix, I think. I'm really glad they included it in the shortlist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, uh, <laughs> going, going from something like that to something a little bit more Dramatic. serious, <laughs> see what you made me do, power, control, and domestic abuse. Now... That is a non-fiction. So the first two we've talked about so far are works of fiction. This is a work of non-fiction, and that is by Jess Hill. Now, the title itself is... It's kind of grim, I guess, if you you hear it. See what you made me do. Um, And I had some qualms about reading it just because, uh, you know, I I looked at the the cover. There's something written by um, Helen Garner on the cover, a shattering book, clear-headed and meticulous, driving always at the truth. Um, Gosh, how to start with this one. (laughs) So the book is actually, it's interesting. As grim as it is, it's a very interesting and, and very important book, I think, because basically it talks about domestic abuse. Now, the author is very careful about that phrase, Uh, She notes that domestic violence is often used as a phrase. However, domestic abuse is probably more accurate in her mind because, according to her, researchers will often find that um, victims of this sort of behaviour, sometimes they might say, well, actually, there was no physical abuse. So calling it domestic abuse doesn't feel as accurate from that point of view. So that's why, Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, I beg your pardon, domestic violence doesn't seem as accurate from that point of view. That's why the term domestic abuse is used by this author quite deliberately throughout. And I think she said she had to do some re-editing to make sure that that um, term was replaced. So the book talks about um, a lot of different subcategories. It focuses on um, issues within Indigenous groups uh, it focuses on the the abusive mind, so the mind of an ab- uh, abuser. Um, it talks about women. Uh, so how do women in particular figure into this whole issue of domestic abuse? Uh, it also talks about children and the effect on children it has. So the book is filled with anecdotes and statistics. And as hard as those anecdotes are sometimes to read, they are also fairly interesting for what it reveals about the state of this issue, a very important issue that um, people all over the world are grappling with, especially in societies like Australia, where there's more and more of an attempt to try to get on top of something that is suffered by a a lot of people, um, silently in some cases. So uh, some things it talks about, for example, are the police, the role of the police. So you have some great examples in the book of Uh, police officers who have helped um, uh, domestic abuse victims Um, you know when they're off duty they've come in to take statements from victims because they've previously dealt with the victims and they didn't want the victim to come in again and have to speak to someone or a police person they didn't know so they will come in off duty Mm. there are police officers who give their personal phone numbers to be just that um, source of support and authority for these people Um, But you also have uh, some police officers who are quite frustrated about um, a lot of people going back to their abusers. Um, You have police officers who may not take issues, certain issues seriously. So there's an example of someone who was 
called into an incident and they sort of just dismissed it by saying, oh, it's just a domestic. So you have horrible mm. things like that. Um, you also have procedural breakdowns as well, uh, which can have really serious consequences. And the book gives an example of that. So there's some pretty grim stuff there. Um, it also talks about the effect on children. So uh, there was a statistic that one in four children in Australia are reported to child protection by the age of 10. One in four. One in four. And that's 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 pretty amazing. And um, in Australia, exposure to domestic abuse is actually considered child abuse, which I, I didn't... Exposure to it. Exposure to it, indeed. Mm. So that is referred to as child abuse. So that was really... It does make sense, though. It does. It does, but it, I, I wasn't aware of that. So it was very um, enlightening, I suppose, reading, reading that. There's something about uh, children, in terms of children... Indigenous groups, of course, but Indigenous children as well. So they are actually 5% of the population. But 40% of youth suicides in 2018 were domestic, um, were, sorry, were Indigenous children. Really? 40%, 40%. Out of 5% population, which is just so heartbreaking. And, um, yeah, as I said, grim reading, but so very important. And anyone who is interested in this topic I would definitely recommend this book to them uh, it talks about things that I mean we hear about um, you know the ones that make the news are uh, the really the ones that have I think there's been some stuff in the news recently about um, you know uh, I don't, I don't want to go into the details but basically you you hear about the really horrible cases in mm. the news and there's a lot of concern about it but there is so many there are so many issues that go on behind the scenes so many cases um, and we never hear about those and even like the little details people are unfamiliar with so apparently some shelters don't actually allow teenage boys in um, really? so some people who may want to leave their abusive partner um, would be reluctant to do so because if they went to a shelter they wouldn't be able to take their teenage sons uh, but then you also have the complication of some teenage sons being abusive to their um, mothers uh, some uh, grown women being abusive to their, uh, you know, parents who are aging. It's it's such a complicated issue. And while women are overwhelmingly the victims, there are also male victims as well. And there are also women who perpetrate violence um, on men and women. So I would definitely, definitely recommend this book to anyone who is interested in the topic, um, who would like to read about it. The book isn't... Look, it's, it's full of end notes and um, it's full of anecdotes and it's lots and lots of references and a substantive, <laughs> uh, substantial index. You would. Um, so it's about, it's almost 400 pages long. So it is a bit of a read, but well worth it, I would say, for anyone who is interested in this very, very serious topic. Now, did you find it quite difficult to get through it any time or just in general were there some stories that stood out to you or were more disturbing than others look i found the anecdotes i did find uh, quite a few of them disturbing uh but because it's a work of non-fiction and it's um, you know uh, divided into different chapters i was able to go back and forth so i didn't do it in a linear way i didn't read it in a linear way i sort of went back and forth uh, between different sections and it, it works just as well as if you were to do it in a linear uh, fashion so um, 
yeah, look, it's it's a hard read. It's a grim read. I feel like I've used that term <laughs> like at least three or four times now. But it's well, it's an important issue, and it's mm. well worth the effort of reading about it and discovering what goes on behind the scenes because we only hear about the sensationalist stuff in the news, and it's 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 worth reading about the real issues faced by people. Um, and mm. I, I guess learning about it is very important for people to be aware of the different signs, aware oh, of what's out there to help. Um, you know, and then just all of us do our bit. So going from well, that, that was, <laughs> I know for me, I'd get quite emotional reading a book yeah. like that. That's for sure. I don't know whether I'd be able to get through it, unfortunately, even though it is quite educational. It's good to be able to understand the different perspectives and the psychology behind a lot of people's behaviours as well. But Anyway, moving on. <laughs> to something a little less serious, I would A little hope. less serious, slightly less serious. Um, well, the last book that I've got to talk about today is called There Was Still Love by Favelle Perrette. And I have to admit, I'm only about halfway through this book, so mm-hmm. I can't give insight on, into how it ends, although I wouldn't because that'll ruin it. Spoiler, yeah. <laughs> But I am listening to this one in audiobook format and also through RB Digital. Nice. I'm finding it quite engaging, mainly because, well, the stories, I'll get into it, but the story is set partially in Prague. And I found that the narrator was quite good at portraying the different voices and the different accents, which engaged you a lot more than just reading the names of something foreign, you know? Uh But anyway, back to the book. The book is uh, from the critically acclaimed author who was also, um, who has a Miles Franklin shortlisted Mm. book, which is called Past the Shallows and also When the Night Comes. It's a beautiful historical fiction. It takes you on a journey whisking us back and forth through time and taking us to opposite ends of the world, namely Prague and Melbourne. Mm -hmm. We hear the generational story of a family's experiences in Prague in 1938 and in 1980, and then on to Melbourne in 1980 as well. Uh, It's a story about family, about relationships, about love, and it's a bit of a snapshot of life in Prague during the Cold War, which... Uh, There were some details that came up during that that were a little reflective of our current times. Mm -hmm. Should I go into detail? Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) But um, I had to pause it during that time and there was a bit of laughter and probably a little concern. But anyway, and um, I did find find it to be a great way of accessing the book through RB Digital and... Yeah, there's a there's a that human and personal aspect mm. that comes through when you are listening to it in that format, and the app is quite useful. I have it on in the car. I can flick through the different chapters, and I I'm playing it in one and a half speed as well. How and was I feel that? like that didn't take away uh, from it at all. I should try that next time because I played it in one speed the audio book. But if if I might give that a go, if you found it quite. No, it's quite yeah. good. I mean, I do have a bit of experience in audio books, but mainly in the physical CDs that you throw in the car. And I like to re- listen to 
crime fiction in audiobook form mm. because you get really excited about getting into the car. Ah. You want to know what happens next and, yes. like, ha- all the new details that come out about these certain crimes. But I so I really enjoy the audiobook format. But this was my first experience with RB Digital mm-hmm. and with using the app, and it is very, very easy to get through. Um so, yeah, that was my analysis of that story. I found it to be quite enjoyable and I can't wait to finish it. Brilliant. Okay. Well, we'll have to chat some more about that later on. Okay, I think we might wrap that up. So those were the six books on the Stellar Prize shortlist. Thank you for being with us today, Sandra, on your first uh, <laughs> Parapods appearance, hopefully not the last. Thank you, Lisa. Um, if you'd like to download this episode, you'll be able to find it on iTunes under Parapods, on Podbean, the app, or on our Para Reads blog. We'll talk to you next time. See ya. Material presented in this podcast is for general information only. Any opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the guest speaker who do not necessarily represent the views of City of Parramatta Council. City of Parramatta Council is not responsible for any injury, loss or damage which you may directly or indirectly suffer in connection with this podcast.